Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. The show contains objectionable language. Listener discretion is advised. What? 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 You want my comments? What? 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 Hmm, your ideas are intriguing to me, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. We here, we here at the show hope that you guys are doing all right at home, you're staying safe, and we're hoping to be able to entertain you for a little while while all this craziness is going on. And before we get started, just want to say thank you everybody that has followed us from the XFL and Hinge time. It was very short-lived, but we thank you very much for coming over and still spending some time with us. Before we get started, just want to make sure you guys follow PWN Newsroom and make sure to follow 503 Sports if you want to get some old school XFL gear. Keep the dream alive. Maybe one day again it will return. And if you want to help support this podcast, go check us out on Anchor. Just put in Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. And if you want to throw a couple of bucks our way, we would really appreciate it. And we have a brand new YouTube channel. And guess what the name is? The Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. You are correct. That is indeed the name. If you want to help us out there, please give us a follow, a like, a share. If you could do that, really make our day. And so, James, how are you doing today? What are we going to get into? First off, I'm praying to the Messiah. Uh, I didn't really take you for a very religious type. I'm very much am, as I have seen the light burning down in my soul. Will you pray for me? Yeah, you're right, sure. Dear Almighty Messiah, you have risen to conquer the beast on the mountaintop. We pray for the Messiah, for he has sacrificed himself at Mania, shall claim gold on the top of the mountain as the non-believers be crushed by the curb stomp to the great almighty messiah amen uh-huh um <clears throat> you doing all right over there i'm doing fine pretty stoked let's talk about some raw uh, okay and uh, interesting way to begin so um for those of you that aren't quite used to what we're doing here now um Essentially, what we do on every Raw and SmackDown review episode is uh, we talk about the five of the main storylines in the ring that we're most interested in. A couple of backstage stories, you know, maybe mix it up, see what's going on inside the minds of the bookers and the owners. And at the end, we let you know who our heels of the week are. Because let's be honest, it's a hell of a lot more fun to pick the bad guy than the good guy. And to start us off with the stories in the ring, let's talk about Drew McIntyre. How could you not? The uh, you know this week's episode opened up with him, and he issues a challenge to Seth Rollins. And in case you missed it, we haven't had a podcast to cover it. This is our first chance to. Seth Rollins beat the hell out of Drew McIntyre behind his back after Drew McIntyre finished the match last week. And uh, yeah, Drew didn't really appreciate that. He was he was not too happy, but. He decided, you know what? I'm going to give Seth Rollins a chance at the title. And uh, first mistake, um, wait a sec. This seems kind of stupid, Drew, from my perspective. 
you, you're kind of sending a message to the locker room that the only thing you really got to do to get a title show, Drew McIntyre, is, um, well, attack him <laughs> from behind. Like, boom, all you got to do is just play dirty, and you're going to be rewarded for it. I kind of think that Drew McIntyre is sending the wrong message to the locker room. It seems kind of reckless on his part. What do you think, Mr. James or... Uh, Whatever children of oh, the corn Malachi follower you've seemed to have turned into. <laughs> Malachi. Oh, what? What you don't like the prayer that I did for the great Messiah for great Seth Rollins? This is basically the storyline from the biblical times. A man sacrificed himself, gets his chance, redeems himself, and gets a chance to be gloried, glorified. That's the Messiah. Or whatever you believe in. Um, but yeah, I kind of fear that's what this storyline for Seth and Drew McIntyre is shaping up to me. That's why I did the stupid little prayer with the monks in the background audio. I know trying to, you know, spice up the podcast because we're going to do multiple podcasts a week. So we got to, you know, make stuff inter- interesting. Um, but geez, this right here, it has the potential of being a great match, but I like the attitudes of fighting champions, but usually when you have fighting champions, they lose their belts very quickly. Roman Reigns has done it. Uh, Dean Ambrose is uh, Dean Ambrose. Um, Dean Ambrose has done it multiple. <laughs> you want to call him John Moxley, but in WWE, yeah, he's yeah. Dean Ambrose. <laughs> I, I bit my tongue there. You got me while I was about to try to say it there. Um, but fighting I, I champions in Raw don't last long. No, they usually don't. Uh, even uh, ones like Rey Mysterio after the whole unfortunate uh, Eddie Guerrero thing. But the uplifting Royal Rumble bit, his winning record was not very good. 5-11, and 11, I believe it was. A lot. Mm, yeah, I just... It seems kind of silly that mm-hmm. he would do that. But he's just so damn cool. He gets away with it. And I've been hearing people saying, could he be the new Roman Reigns? I, uh, wow, you know, that's that's interesting because I'm a huge Roman Reigns fan, but Vince is a very picky guy. One minute you're up, next you're down. Could he be getting groomed to take Roman's place? I don't think so um, because when you look, I think the face right now of the WWE, especially Raw's brand, is Drew McIntyre because A, Roman Reigns is not there, and B, Cena's retired, but you also have Dan and Brooke, not Dan and Brooke, uh, Becky. Becky Lynch on Raw. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have her as a face. So she's, I think she's more of the face of the company right now than Drew McIntyre, but damn, Drew McIntyre, each time I see him in that damn ring, he's I'm getting sold on it every single time. I'm like, man, he can actually do this. But I just don't like the, I'm going to put the title on the line every single night type of things. You do that with the Intercontinental, and you do that with the... Uh, the uh, U.S. title. The, the Achievement for De- Declaration of Performance Award, which is known as the United States title. Um, ah, that's, that's the way. I, li- I like the U.S. title quite it, a it's bit. Fi- it's finally getting love now that it's on Raw. When it's on SmackDown, it's a you know pre-show afterthought. Uh, it, but, it goes through its ups and downs just like any other mid-card title. But I think it's had just as many ups yeah. as the Intercontinental. But you Especially if you go back to the WCW days. Yeah, correct. You, you just don't do 
ch- the fighting champions when you are the Universal or the WWE. Because you're, you're gonna you're gonna allow lower card guides like uh, I I don't want yeah you could say Adrade is a lower card. Adrade, uh, uh, who's the who's the 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 I'm, my mind's going blank. Who's the crew with Adrade? Uh, uh, oh, Austin Theory yeah, Austin. and Angel Graza. Yeah, all those are mid card guys, and they're all getting shots at uh, Drew McIntyre. It's well, that's something I do want to get into a little bit later because I didn't want to make the entire first part of the show all about uh, Drew McIntyre. But this actually does connect a bit more with Seth Rollins. And I figured that's a good way to bounce it out because we didn't get a lot of Seth. We got a promo with them saying some very, I, I got to honestly say, very cliche stuff like, it's not because I want to do this to you, it's because I have to do this to you. And. Uh, it was whatever, but the point being is that I want to talk about the Rey Mysterio and Buddy Murphy match. I thought this match was dope. I thought that it was high-flying, exciting. Any, It was everything that you could have wanted out of seeing these two fight. However, I don't think the Rey Mysterio should have been the guy to win that match. I think that it should have gone to Buddy Murphy. I take nothing away from Rey Mysterio. The man's a Hall of Famer. I've rooted for him most of my life. He's a Mexicano brother. But I felt at the end of the match, it should have been Buddy Murphy. Murphy needs to win more. So many times over the last six months, it seems like he's he's going up, and then he's immediately brought down. Oh, you're going up against Aleister Black. You're going to have a pretty good rivalry, but you're not going to win one match. Uh, it just seems like the more that he goes up, the more he's knocked down. And then he joined Seth Rollins's whole Messiah thing, which I actually thought was a very good idea. Uh, like, oh, now we have a proper stable. We got four wrestlers in the stable. You got the AOP, Buddy Murphy, and, of course, Seth Rollins. But then they get the tag team titles, and they don't do much with it, and then they lose. So, really, what did it do for Buddy Murphy? So, I really think that he was the guy that should have gotten the win in this match. Uh, Rey Mysterio, though, most likely is going to bring the house down because, let's face it, Rey Mysterio, the Money in the Bank match, it's bound to be good. But I think that Buddy Murphy really needed it. Well, I completely uh, agree with it because here is my reasons for it. We know the results. We're going to talk about Aleister. Uh, Aleister Black won his match for Mm -hmm. the... Uh, ladder, uh, money in the bank ladder match. Here are the participants so far in the men's ladder match for money in the bank. Ray Mysterio, Alistair, Bra- Alistair Black, Drew, uh, Daniel Bryan, I almost said Drew McIntyre, <laughs> <laughs> and Apollo Crews. All faces. Where's your heels? Alistair Black's kind of more of an anti-hero, and I think that they gave him that great promo where he said he was going to turn this match into every other wrestler's personal hell. I think that's them trying to throw some shade in there. Yeah, but Alistair Black is starting to come off of me like Undertaker. No matter how bad you can make this guy be a heel, he's still going to be liked. I mean, to be fair, The Undertaker tried to uh, marry uh, Stephanie McMahon while she was tied to a cross, more or less, you know, kind of being hung up on a cross. It was was a little awkward. (laughs) So I don't think we can quite put Aleister Black there quite yet just because he rolls out of a coffin. (laughs) Good point. Uh, But 
the match itself, like we discussed on the SmackDown recap, how you start to watch the matches and you completely forget about the crowds. You this start, was one of them. This was one of them. You, you, you see the story that they were presenting to you. And yes, Murphy, he's... You can almost say that Murphy and AOP are the, uh, was it the Apostles? Um, the Authors of Pain. The Authors of Pain. They're like Seth Rollins' followers, like you stated, that you sh- they th- you think if he's gonna, Seth Rollins is going to be this messiah creeped individual, this character, you think that it's going to follow the same concepts of you know modern-day religious messiahs, and their followers always have good things happen to them. They have yet to have anything good happen to him with Seth Rollins. Um, but like you said, uh, Murphy, when he's getting a chance against upper mid-card guys or the lower mid- uh, upper card guys, he gets gets there and doesn't get over the hump. And I agree with that. And it's you look at this match. This match told a story. Um, everyone loves Ray. Ray's a Hall of Famer. He's a multi-champion around the world, not just the WWE. Um it's these. This is the type of match where you go. You know what? The younger guys should get a chance to shine in the ladder match, and unfortunately, that's not. You got Ray, but Ray's still going to have a kick-ass match in the Money in Bank in a couple of weeks. Um, but again, uh, it's this match, like the multiple matches the last couple of weeks, because of these on-site location, no fans, uh, live uh, shows. You're enjoying the act of wrestling. And their performance. And I love the match. And it was very entertaining. And I don't know if we can get like Michael Cole. And the all both announced crews from both Raw and SmackDown to be quiet. Then I'll really enjoy it more. But then again that would make you lose a lot of ratings. Without announcers. I don't know. I, I actually enjoy having the commentary. Because it's kind of like a running gag. Where before they couldn't actually hear the commentators. Because the crowd was so loud. But now they can't hear anything but the commentators. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, Spe- I find it very funny. In, in Especially what Seamus did last week. What was Which, that called? How dare you disrespect me and bring up Jeff Hardy. I was like, wow. That, that was great. The, the seeds have been sown for that one. But back to, uh, yeah, back to Buddy Murphy, his getting a victory would have also greatly helped Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins' followers need to get something to go their way. And if, if that starts to happen, like championships here, money in the bank, victory there, then other people might look at Seth Rollins and be like, hey, maybe this guy's really on to something. And then they start getting sucked in to his cult. Like, I, I think that would be a lot of fun. Just don't take it all the way to the NWO level, but it would make things between him <laughs> and Drew far more interesting because then Drew has to shut down this, maybe not coup. I definitely don't want to use the word infection because that just feels wildly out of place. It just... This this weed, you know, like these weeds that are just growing through the foundation of the WWE, that would be Seth Rollins. And I think that if they were to do something like that, it would have worked. But instead, we had to go with uh, Rey Mysterio. But you know what? It is what it is. Because Rey Mysterio is box office. People are going to want to see him, especially considering how many people are down at the moment. But 
Anything else you want to throw in there? Oh, I was going to just mention that Ray Mysterio also has a big uh, South America draw, too. He's well, a, yeah, he's yeah big, that goes without he's, saying. <laughs> he's big in the United States, but he's a god in Mexico in the wrestling industry. I think he's a god everywhere. Oh, uh, yeah. 619, booyaka, booyaka. Yeah, let's... Uh, I'm looking forward to the match no matter what, but we both agree about Murphy, so... I think we should get into the next subject about Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, a rising tag team, which I am really enjoying right now. I agree so much. These these two guys have been running away for the longest time. They've been given really nothing to work with whatsoever. And they were going on Twitter and complaining, justifiably so. And now... Out of nowhere, for the last few weeks, they've been working together and just have really let the tag team division on fire. They haven't really had a storyline, per se, but what they do in the ring, their chemistry, it's like these guys were made to be a tag team together. Their agility is bar none. Like, I just don't know how long they can possibly try to keep these guys down like i know they got to work their way up as a tag team you got to build all that credibility but i think that they're ready to go right now they're very much the yin to the yang of each other because both of them were brought in with high expectations and a hell of a lot of hype it seemed like they were on their way alistair black came together with ricochet wow look at this tag team to break him up here we go alistair black's doing pretty well for himself but what about ricochet what happened to him and then cedric alexander used to be the cruiserweight champion he disappeared for the longest time he let wwe know how unhappy he felt and maybe this was a backhanded slap from wwe to bring these two disgruntled guys together but it's coming out for the better because these guys are going to be able to re-jumpstart their career do you think that they're going to be in the running for the tag team title anytime soon ah not anytime soon but yes i think they will have a chance for it and i think they will be ricochet and cedric alexander against the primetime players is it primetime no that's not primetime players oh uh, primetime players have been done for a while oh uh, yeah i was going to say why make a move play? make a move make a million dollars uh, I'm getting the tag team from SmackDown confused from the tag team of Raw. Um, they have to be more <laughs> specific. <laughs> exactly. Um, but Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, multiple-time cruiserweight champions between both of them. I think uh, Ricochet is Ricochet. former. I, th I no. think he had United States. Yeah, he had United States. Cedric Alexander was cruiserweight. And I mm -hmm. think... I think Ricochet was also NXT champion. Uh, again, I'm not the, uh, uh, the NXT guy. I, yeah. I regrettably don't yeah. watch enough NXT. I just watched the Twitter Working highlights. Working on it, though. But, uh, do I see them as a tag team that can potentially go to Money in the Bank, Backlash, Extreme Rules, or anyone in the pay-per-views and go up against a, a Raw tag team? Yes. And win the tag team titles? Of course. Uh, they're very, they're a high flying attack team. And, and if you remember in the history of the WWE fans, love tag teams that jump everywhere. Uh, the Usos, Party parties, boys. uh, everyone who does crazy stunts is in the, and gets the pop from the fans. Edge and they will get, pu they'll get pushed more than 
unfortunately, like AOP or APA because they don't get the big pop. Like well, I do wonder, though. They did get the pops, but they weren't just high flyers. They were well, more bruisers. Well, what about the Lucha House Party? It's hard uh, to say that nobody jumps higher with more agility than they do, and they don't get a whole lot to do, unfortunately. Well, I think they're amazing in the ring, but do we ever see them in any kind of storyline? Yeah, it's the same with uh, uh, Sin Cara and... Uh, man, I forgot the guy's name. I don't even think he's in the WWE anymore. Well, Sin Cara Ooh, ah, had a lot of backstage ah, problems. Ah. Lucha, Lucha. Um, yeah, but... Sing- like, Sin Cara, like, really got into a lot of fights. They took the original guy out, and then they brought a new guy in to be Sin Cara. And it just, I, it was just such a mess from the get-go. It was just unsalvageable. Yeah. But, but one yeah, thing WWE I, needs to get better at is working with Lucha performers. Correct. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off there. Yeah, it's fine, because I was going to bring something up about how the WWE mistreated a lot of their Lucha performers, and that's why they're succeeding in the NWA, the ROH, and the AEW. It's because they can go into those other promotions and use their experience in their field of Lucha Underground type of wrestling and thrive. WWE, I don't think, is ready for a full Lucha type of takeover. And But we're getting off the subject. But still, I agree. The same thing about um, Ricochet and Alexander. High flyers get a lot of pop. They you know get eyes and usually... Team, tag teams that have that new, you know, pizzazz like them, they get pushed very quickly to the top. And I won't be surprised if they get a title shot. Do I see it within the next couple of weeks? No, I see it maybe in a couple of pay-per-views from now, maybe in the July pay-per-view or June pay-per-view. Um, but I love this tag team. Just hopefully, you know, they stay safe, they don't get hurt, and we can actually see these exciting uh, tag teams once we can get more than just three people in a ring, we can actually get, you know, fatal four-way tag team matches, which I miss. Um, but, yeah, I do love these guys. Um, and I think Ricochet is just an up-and-coming superstar. I think he will be the face of the WWE here in about two to four, two to three years, maybe a little longer than that. He's Damn, still, really, the face. He's still he's still considered that mid-card hmm. guy. It was like It's like Cena. Cena was a mid-card guy for like two to three years. Yeah, but Ricochet is nowhere near as big as Cena. Like, if there's one thing Vince loves, it's big dudes. Okay. Like, Roman yeah. Reigns is somebody that you could see taking out Brock Lesnar, and we saw what happened when they put Ricochet against Brock Lesnar. They showed him very little love, which but yeah, but tells me they're not trying to do that. Yeah. Well, Rey Mysterio... That's. I feel like that's a complicated one because, unfortunately, uh, partially because of Eddie Guerrero. After everything that had happened, they well, created a big storyline for him. And also, make... Ray and Brock were good friends backstage. Yeah, but WWE really went out of their way to use as much of the Eddie Guerrero death as they could to put butts in seats. And Ray Mysterio, who is he tremendously talented. It never should have taken this for him to get the world title. He should have had it long ago. They used this storyline to put the title on him, and they didn't even really treat him that well. Remember, his record was around 5-11. and 11, So he didn't win a lot as champion. He definitely reaped a lot of the rewards. And again, I mean no disrespect whatsoever. This is just the circumstances. It doesn't really help there it's 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 a little it, it's just complicated <laughs> i feel yeah. uncomfortable talking about yeah. it but you see what well, i'm getting at 
Yeah, going back to when Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero that time, um, that they had the feud for months, and then the tragic death of Eddie Guerrero was during their feud. Yes. So, and plus, I still remember watching that SmackDown the the two days after. I'm like, oh wow, this is really crushing. And Eddie Guerrero, man, it's been a while, but that man's just his name itself took just down resonates excellence. Yeah, uh, but let's get move on. Let's get away from the depressing talk and let's talk about. I hope that I'm wrong, and I hope that Ricochet can be the face one day of the WWE. I just kind of find it hard to believe the WWE would do it that way. But however, let's talk about this right here. Could this be the group that Ricochet and Cedric Alexander actually wind up working with? Selena Vegas stable. I think this would be a lot of fun to put these guys together. But on the other hand, did Drew McIntyre just kill this entire stable before it? It really had a chance to flourish. Last week, when I saw how many people were working underneath Zelina Vega under her leadership, I was like, wow, she is killing it right now. It's like if you took, not, uh, not Tamina, who am I thinking of? Good Lord. Well, take a little bit of Paul Heyman and you take Sonny. If y'all can go far enough back, you remember Sonny and just how manipulative and ingenious she was. She could get anybody to do anything for her. And so you throw in the gorgeousness and the brains of Sonny. And you mix it in with Paul Heyman and his deviousness. And Lord knows that Zelina Vega's got a lot more hair on her head than Paul Heyman. So that, that's a good thing. She's, she's got her hair. <laughs> you put them together and that's what she had going. I like the stable of Andrade, Cien Almas. Angel Gaza and Austin Theory, who, to be honest, I haven't seen a whole lot of Austin Theory, but what I did see before, the guy's pretty good. I thought that they all did a lot. They, they did a lot to put over Drew McIntyre, but it really is hurting this stable. Do you think they're done for? Do you think there's any way that we could salvage this? And do you think that could be the direction the Ricochet and Cedric Alexander go? Because it seems to me like this is the best fit for them. Uh. How can I really approach this? I really don't like that uh, Selena Vegas stable against Drew McIntyre. I don't know why they started to do that right after WrestleMania. I thought it was, you know, they're trying to put Andrade into the same classification like McIntyre right now, and he's not. He could be, though. I like him a lot. He's a stiff worker. But, yeah, but then again, he is... You know, kind of dating slash married to Charlotte, so you kind of figure he's going to get a push sooner or later. Um, but did it bruise the, the stable? No, I don't think so. I think they can go into the, you know, getting feuds with maybe like uh, Kevin Owens when he gets back, or Randy Orton when he gets back, or AJ Styles when he gets back. There's other, or there's other ways that this stable can move along. Um, because right now that they're, they're in limited rosters in Raw and SmackDown, uh, you don't have a lot of you know places to go at the moment. But it doesn't mean this. They want to make the stable. You know, hey, the stable is here. They're going to be an up and coming stable. Let's go after the king first, which is Drew McIntyre, and see what happens. And yes, sometimes you they can get they got knocked down. Now the question is, is if they rebound, who would they go after next? 
and now if they start, you know, getting knocked down by everyone they face, then yes, the stable is a Bruin. But I don't think so. I just think that because of the limited rosters right now, you have to have something to kind of, you know, fill the weeks on each episode until we get back to normalcy here when everyone can actually be in attendance at the events. But I don't think the stable's ruined. And plus, they're making Drew McIntyre look like a, uh, you know, a god. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it's bad. But then again, there could be something else being up, the, working up the sleeves of Vince McMahon. But yeah, God, um, I hope so. Because I, I, I was definitely entertained by the end of the match, but I felt terrible for them because they all just got kicked. Right upside the head, especially Angel. He was bleeding by the end of the night. Definitely got some good color in there. I always enjoy a little bit of blood that adds a little special something to a match. But you can be rest assured the Vince McMahon got in the ear about that. Once uh, McIntyre saw that he was bleeding after he got the one, two, three, I was trying to read his face when he looked at uh, Angel Gattis's face and he sees that he's bleeding. Out and <laughs> you could almost read his thoughts. There's a thought bubble. Ah, oh, damn it. Vince is going to chew my ass out when I go back there. I'm going to go around the long way. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that you're right. I do hope that this stable can continue because I feel like it's so unique. We never really have stables anymore. And how many stables have we had like in the last 15 years that were actually run by a woman? A truly hot, sexy lady who is also just intelligent as she is deadly because she can legitimately wrestle being the head of a group of these guys. Like, I really think that they got something special going on here, but it would be an absolute shame if it all just got destroyed before it could really flourish. That's that, that, that's most likely going to happen. Uh, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> that's why three hours of raw is useless. You can do it all this and do. Well, well, we'll see what we think at the end of the show. I got my rating. You know, uh-huh. we haven't forgotten about that. That's for sure. But storyline number five, which is unfortunately kind of got to be a mixture of real life as well. I prefer to keep the backstage and the uh, and what happens in the ring separate, but it's really hard to do sometimes. But fifth story of the week has Nia Jax improved since she got back from injury. Now, we all know if you pay attention to Raw, and if you're listening to this, you probably do. We all know that Ajax has certainly had her ups and downs. Ups in the sense that she had a great storyline with Alexa Bliss, where she was being bullied all the time. She thought that she had the best friend. Turned out it wasn't. It was the ultimate betrayal. She went on to WrestleMania and won the title from Alexa Bliss. She definitely has had the biggest of highs. However, not that long ago was the infamous incident where she turned around and punched the living crap out of Becky Lynch in her face and broke her nose and gave her a concussion. However, much like the Big Bang, that had some creation behind it because the man was born that night. So, like her or not, Nia Jax has had a big part in the history of the WWE. She definitely has had big moments, or at least had moments that led to moments. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Uh, recently her and Ronda Rousey were kind of going back and forth on Twitter, each calling the other unsafe, but unfortunately Nia did herself no favors this past week. She's having a match with Kari Sane, very important match. Whoever wins gets a spot in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And, uh, well, 
Needless to say, we all knew Kyrie Sane wasn't going to win because she's so much smaller than Nia Jax. She did the best she could. She was going after the once torn ACLs of Nia Jax, doing everything that she could, pulling everything out of the arsenal. wasn't enough. Nia Jax wins. That there was a spot during the match that scared the ever-living crap out of me, and I'm glad I wasn't the only one to notice because I did see it pop up quite a bit all over YouTube, was the really, really botched buckle bomb. I've seen some bad buckle bombs before. Seth Rollins sting. But this one was abysmal. I'd never seen anything like it. Nia Jax tosses Kairi Sane, and she doesn't even hit the second belt buckle. She hits the belt buckle all the way at the bottom. I am surprised that she did not really cripple Kairi Sane. Which leads one to wonder, has Nia Jax gotten any better? Has she made any real changes to how she works in the ring? Have you been able to see anything? Because storyline-wise, she's doing just fine, I think. They're pushing her the right way. She definitely is kind of like the Tamina of Monday Night Raw. And she deservedly needs to be pushed as a big, bad monster. But I'm terrified whenever she's in the ring with anybody. Uh, you think? Um, but let's just say this. Without Nia Jax, Becky Lynch may not be at the star that she is right now. Absolutely. Uh, because, yes, she did botch on back Becky Lynch, broke her nose. But that classic image you've seen when Raw or SmackDown invaded Raw a couple of months ago, Becky Lynch broken nose, bloodied everywhere with her putting out her hand, saying, you want some more of this? Really sold the product then. But it's just not Becky Lynch. It's now Singh. And it's it was uh and there was a couple of times against uh not uh, not Ruby Riot. I think it was Ruby Riot, was it? She gave him one girl a concussion and she was out for a couple of weeks. I think I was Alexa Ruby Bliss. Riot. Actually it's no, Alexa yeah, Bliss. Alexa Bliss, there you go. Um mm-hmm. it's just not you know, single instant instances. It's all it's almost every storyline she goes in, she hurts somebody or something gets botched. And, of course, her and Ronda Rousey get at it. So they're both you know, saying the same thing. Well, you, uh, you, know, you botched this or you did this. I'm not going to be going to WWE because I don't like fake stuff. Um, Which angered the hell out of me when Ronda Rousey said yeah. that. But maybe um, that was a work. Could have been a work. But... Is Beck is Becky you no know, Beck, Becky Lynch is safe? She's Nia very Jax. awesome. If Nia Jax, she can sell a character. She's a good character of a beast that she is. But her skill in the ring needs a lot more improvement. I've said over a couple of months watching Nia Jax that she should go back to the NXT. Um, like what Finn Balor's doing or like Charlotte's doing. Um, because I don't think she is putting more of the big-time athletes in the women's division at risk of getting hurt. Crap, she broke the nose of Becky and knocked out Alexa Bliss. Um, you can't have a, a wrestler that is that, you know, I can't say cautious, but a wrestler that is trying her best to perform but she's putting other people's lives and careers at risk in this industry. And once you get hurt a certain way, that can ruin your career. 
we've seen in a lot of wrestlers lose their careers over botches. Um, unfortunately, we saw a death from one. Um, it, it's so hard to yeah, even like pinpoint every single little spot because you're an outsider looking in. We both are. I mean, what the hell do we know about it? Well, we know is what we see, and we mean no disrespect. When we bring all this up, I'm sure that if any of these wrestlers were to hear us, it'd be like, screw these guys. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. But we have every right to try to maybe bring attention to what could be helped. Like if Nijax was to ever hear this, why not get some training from The Miz? Could The Miz maybe help out? I know that he's the safest worker. The guy's been working like 12 years straight. Not a single injury. He hasn't missed anything. That guy is a phenomenal talker, phenomenal performer. And maybe he could help her out. Like, I'm just saying, let's bring some ideas in here. Because Nia Jax has all the potential in the world. She could be a game changer. And for a moment, she was when she got the title from Alexa Bliss at WrestleMania. Absolutely. But it's just not the same because she's been gone for so long. There was the punch. Like, a lot of things did not go right. But we really just want her to get better. (laughs) Yeah, because she can play a great heel. Absolutely. Like I, I thought she was going to pick up Kari Sane. I thought, I thought she was going to shake her hand, and she just started rubbing on her face. (laughs) It was so mean. I bought into it. Yeah, but it's her, her ability of putting other wrestlers at risk are the reason why the WWE is being cautious with her and seeing the botch that happened last night. Um. Yeah. About that, I don't. Do you wonder? Sorry, I I said I don't think Vince. He's going to either Vince or Triple H, whoever has been in the gorilla position back there, is going to say something about it. Uh, Because usually, when you start botching, almost every and we see if as wrestling fans, we see botches almost every show. There is one, but not too extreme that Nia Jax has done. The last three I remember hurt people. And that's usually not good. But, you know, what were you about to say? Well, you kind of got to wonder, sometimes they do these spots that are so similar to prior injuries that they actually, they, they are predetermined. Like, they already had them set them already had them set up. Kind of makes me wonder, when they do, like, when Nia Jax has matches, do they have her do this purposely so that everybody's just talking about it? Even though it's negative attention, could they be doing that on purpose? I kind of had to wonder about it. You think the cave fape is strong in this? Hey, man, Vince McMahon is capable of anything. When you got a boss that hates people who sneezes, you got to expect the unexpected. <laughs> That's awesome. But anyway, let's move over to backstage. Well, we kind of already made that perfect transition there, didn't we? Number one for topics of backstage this week, can WWE find a better way of introducing lesser-known NXT talent to the roster? Now, once again, I said it once, I say it again. I am not and will not claim to be an NXT expert. I see when I can, but it's 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 just hard to watch everything, you know. I like the brand, I respect it in some ways. It does things better with the, with its talent than Raw and SmackDown, dude. The NXT Takeover is a pretty piece of pay-per-view. I may not be able to name everybody on the show, but what I do know is that there's a lot of talent being brought over as enhancement talent for, like, say, Charlotte Flair. And the way that they're being used seems like a waste because some of the talent that is indeed coming up 
is pretty well known in NXT. Isn't really the NXT viewer isn't really used to them losing like this. And so here they are coming in to the main roster. Hey, congratulations, kid! You're going to be on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, but you're going to be squashed. Yeah, you're not even going to have your intro or your music or anything. Uh, Alistair Black's going to come in, but uh, yeah, he's going to kick you upside your head. I feel like they haven't done the best job of introducing all these people, if you can't tell, due to my sarcasm. It really reminds me a lot of when guys like Taz or Mike Awesome came over from ECW, and they just weren't treated very well in WWE or WCW. Is there a way to be able to bring these guys up? Because I, it's got to be such a tough balancing act to be able to make sure that your current stars, that you've been building up for a long time, continuously look strong, but you're running low on people to work with. So naturally, you're going to call up some of the NXT talent who have shown how much talent they have, but you can't have them outdo the main roster guys. Like, What's a way that they could do to avoid this? Uh, first off, I want to just say that, like you, I haven't really been catching up on NXT. I just know, you know, Charlotte Flair and Ben Balor going down there uh, for you know, matches. And I think Tyler Breeze is still down there as well. Um, but I think Tyler Breeze is actually coaching now. Yeah, he is coaching. He has his own coaching school down in Orlando called mm-hmm. Flatbacks Wrestling School. Uh, how do I know that? How how do I know that? Go to AEW's uh, um, Road to TNT Championship, and they actually had an episode in that building. Um, little plug there. Um, but how can the X? Uh, I almost said XFL. Jesus. How can the <laughs> NXT get stars in their roster to translate to Raw and SmackDown while being squash opponents? Um. How about this? Don't go up the Raw and SmackDown until you're freaking ready. But WWE um, stuck in a position where they're desperate for they're desperate for bodies, essentially. Well, they are, but they also got to understand that they also have other competition now. Yes, NXT is on Wednesday. Yes, AEW is on Wednesday. You have you know competition between the two promotions right there. But the reason why I think they're trying to do is try and get the NXT guys to either small Raw or SmackDown. So when people, the AEW crowd's not watching AEW and they go watch Raw and SmackDown, they'll be like, hey, who's this guy? And they, oh, he made this, uh, he did this match. Yes, he lost, but look at him. He's from our NXT. I think it's more of like a cross promotion to get more eyes on the NXT than actually getting them on the main roster. Because we've seen over the last couple of months that since AEW has arrived into the industry, they have been treating the NXT just as an, an a as another brand, not as a developmental league. Um, so they're trying to mix match, trying to get you know eyes on some stars in the NXT to put them in a pedestal. Which, when people turn on TVs on Wednesday night, they're like, you know what? I'm not going to watch Dynamite. I'm going to go watch NXT because I saw this guy on Raw almost beat Aleister Black in a awesome you know. Two out of three falls my match, whatever. Um, but we've known since NXT's been in existence, there's been guys who have been called up in the NXT to the main roster that have just flared out in a month or so. Um, I just flared like, out. <laughs> just picturing a napping Ric Flair. Oh, he flared out. <laughs> but, but having 
stars or up and coming stars being sent to Raw and SmackDown just to get you know more eyes on them is good, but at the same time you're diminishing the product of NXT. You have other competition out there now, WWE. I understand what you're trying to do and how to introduce these guys, but you got to know how to do it right. Just don't start throwing guys on Raw and SmackDown thinking that's going to make people turn into Raw and SmackDown because a guy on NXT is on there. No. And for the um, love of God, stop feeding him to Sheamus. He's not even playing with his food. He's just going through and killing everyone. Stop it. Don't have like. him go play Sheamus. Play Sheamus. Uh, go up against Sheamus, Aleister Black, Bobby Lashley, any of those guys. Let them come in and start off you know, against you know, your boy, Ricochet, or, Alice, or Alexander, Cedric Alexander, or uh, the Codebreaker. Or whatever his name is. The Codebreaker. Uh, the Codebreaker always makes me think Mr. Chris Jericho. The champion uh, is on the other show. Oh, uh, uh, Mustafa Ali. There we go. The I, hacker. I miss that, him. Um, but we think we think he's a hacker, but he's on SmackDown, not Raw. But you understand why. Go after guys. Who are the, yeah. Go after the guys who are in the same weight limit. And don't, get called, don't call these guys up to get their butts kicked by superior talent. I just hate squash matches if it's a useless storyline. Um, but yeah, um, I think because the reason why you brought the talent about between the between the brands is because there's other competition out there right now, and the WWE is forcefully trying to get people to watch NXT because NXT is not doing too well against ratings against the AEW. So that could well, be the reason. They did win the last two weeks in a row. So oh, let's okay. not forget that. Yeah, a lot of champions have been on AEW. Live, there's not a lot more. There's not a lot of matches on AEW right now. But then again, I watch AEW, not NXT, so that's my two cents in it. Well, with that said, you did mention something about uh, forced to watch NXT and more of a bit of a serious light. There have been reports by an anonymous source that have been coming out in the news recently about WWE forcing its workers, well, to work. Uh, more or less against their wills and going against the uh, statewide RONA law. Even though WWE has been named as an essential business, which I love professional wrestling, I'm not sure that quite qualifies, but what you know? What can I do about it? I live in Virginia. I do not live in Florida. Uh, from the outside looking in, it could be easy to believe that a big company like WWE would force itself onto an employee because, well, let's be honest, everybody, this that kind of does happen every day. But at the same time, most of WWE's employees are still at home. Last I heard, a lot of them are still being taken care of and are not being forced to come in. Now, yeah, they do have a skeleton crew. They keep switching out the crew to try to keep it at a minimum so people don't have to stay at the same one place for too long. If you want to look at it, uh, go check out the filming schedule for these episodes, and you'll see what I mean. They completely restructured it to try to keep people as safe as possible. Um, there's a lot of superstars that if Vince really wanted to, I suppose he could force to come in and work like Randy Orton. He's a vital part of the show. R-Truth, one of his absolute favorites. 
Hell, even Edge. Edge has got a 25, well, had a 25 appearance contract. I think now he's down to 21 or 22. But there's so many people, writers, cameramen, sound men, that aren't coming in Mm -hmm. because they don't want to. And WWE is allowing them to do that. Now, whether or not this guy is lying, I don't think that's up to me to say because I don't know. I'm not there. I wish that I could be a fly on the wall because, honestly, it'd be fascinating as all hell to see how WWE is getting through all of this because it can't be easy. But their actions so far that I have seen have shown me that they've been trying to do the right thing, like Roman Reigns, one of the biggest guys on the roster, if not arguably the biggest they're allowing him to stay home because he's at risk. He's got uh, he's got the leukemia and remission, and if he was to come out, it'd be a possibility he could get sick. If they really wanted to, they could try to force him out, but they they didn't. So I would need some kind of like audio evidence of some sort, which I imagine can't be all that difficult to get. But I'm for now reserving judgment. It is possible that this guy is telling the truth. It may not be as well. Vince makes a lot of enemies, and he's really hard to work with. Maybe one way to get back at him is to screw him over by saying, hey, they're forcing us to work. It is possible as well. So I say before we rush to judgment, before we start egging this guy's house and McMahon's house, let's wait and see what happens. Let's see what kind of evidence we're working with. But so far... I like what I'm seeing through the window as an outsider. How do you feel about it? How I feel about it is very simple. If WWE is forcing their talent to uh, to wrestle, putting their lives at risk to wrestle, Randy Orton, R-Truth, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, Edge. Natalia. Natalia. And the list keeps going and going and going. We'll all be on Raw. You haven't seen that. The last two weeks, the Raw has been skeleton crew, and it's basically been the same people the last two weeks on TV. Bobby Lashley, Lindrada's stable, Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins. You You don't see the full rosters at Raw at SmackDown. Yes, is there a possibility of this being a truth? It might be. But if the source was accurate, we will already have TMZ reporting on videos and you know phone calls because they like to dig up stuff on anything and everything, especially during this time and the crisis during the coronavirus pandemic. Stuff can leak very easily. We, we see what's going on in the NFL. If someone sneezes and boom, it's... You know, headline news somewhere. Yeah, they're usually on point about it too. Like yeah, if TMZ so, puts it up, I don't like to give them the credit, but if they say something happened, I'm more likely to believe them. <laughs> yeah, and it's and you haven't had the TMZ report it yet. This is anonymous source, and who broke this source? It's that British podcast slash newspaper slash wrestling channel. That has been tacking Vince McMahon in the WWE for the last couple of months. Uh, so yeah, it's there, there's always someone going to disp- uh, dispute Vince. Crap, the former commissioner of the XFL is suing Vince right now. Vince is going through a lot of shit right now. So yes, 
we're as fans are not getting the best quality of Raw or best quality of SmackDown, but you got to look at the man himself, the man who built this company, the man that put this company where it is. He's being sued. He lost his football league, and he's losing millions of dollars on Raw because this Raw is not on the road. They're not on location. There was no, there was no way that anybody could have anticipated this. Exactly. How does how does one have a blue book to be like? Well, you know, when the virus happens, this is how you should react in the business yes. world. Um, but exactly, it's you see all these stories pop up about Vince, like last year, two years ago when Vince McMahon announced the XFL was going to relaunch. Uh, sex scandals started popping up out of nowhere. Um, it's just sometimes, yes, this could be a disgruntled employee. Honestly, I guarantee you it's a disgruntled employee who said he's being forced to work, but he could actually be a one of those employees where the WWE's like, you know, we, we're going to fire you anyways because you're useless. And he's the one that was the whistleblower. He apparently got maybe released or fired, and he said, oh, they were trying to force me to work. Oh, so damn, useless, kind of rough. <laughs> maybe more is like you don't have as much tenure you haven't been here as long as everybody else. You know, I could probably yeah, see something can, more like that going. Unless they're really, really, really bad at their job and play yeah. World of Warcraft while they're supposed to be in a meeting. Yeah, uh, they can find roadies to build those stages there. And once the stage, like the ring's there, everything's set up in that building. That's where they're all recording everything at. So there's no, you know, full sales. The Performance Center is a great location for all of it. And it's already built. They don't need to build it. So, yes, you're going to have people who build the rings at every arena, the Jumbotrons, you know, the, the, the grand spectacle that is the WWE on Mondays and Thursday, on Friday nights and on Wednesdays and pay-per-views, those guys are out of the job because they're mm-hmm. not going to location to location. And I guarantee you those are the people, or I guarantee you that's where it came from, one of the roadies saying that we're being forced to do this, and that's the reason why they quit. I guarantee you it's that. I don't think it's an actual superstar because if it was, it'd be on TMZ by now. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I definitely don't think it's one of the wrestlers. It's probably somebody that works on the production side. But I don't know. I'm I'm willing to hold out on that. But again, so far from what I've seen from oh, the outside looking Vince. in, yeah, no, I mean Vince just does what he's got to do. You know, at the end of the day, Vince it's not going to please everyone. History. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> we all know, but from what I can see. It seems like they've been doing the right thing, but we'll find out if there's more to be, if, if there's definitely more presence under the Christmas tree, you know they're going to find them. But with that said, let's move on to the last part of the show, and we call this the Monday Night Raw Heels of the Week. Not the most inventive name, but I think you get the gist of it. Each one of us is going to be picking who our favorite heels were of the night. So, for me, I guess I'll start it off. Gotta go with Shayna Baszler. Wow, she has just been a wild animal recently. Kind of reminded me of a really, really, really angry Taz. You know, just showing no mercy whatsoever. I can't seem to stop talking about Taz today. Shayna's attacks that are, quote-unquote, breaking arms are doing a really good job of putting her over as as a monster heel. She really seems to give no Fs about what's right and what's wrong. She's been 
I, I feel like since she lost to Becky Lynch, she has been letting her rage just be felt throughout the roster. Whether you're on the main roster or the NXT, she don't care. She's going to destroy you. And I think that they're definitely going to have a rematch between her and Becky. I could see Shayna Baszler winning the Money in the Bank. But right now, her heelish work of the week definitely is making her one of the nastiest women on the planet today. And James... Who, who could be possibly your pick for the heel of the week? That my heel of the week is the Messiah. Oh. The reason why he is the heel of the week is because he got Drew McIntyre to give him a title shot that, unfortunately, Messiah does not deserve. You don't lose at WrestleMania and get the number one contendership the next night. Um, but Seth Rollins, I know a lot of people don't like Seth Rollins, and this is a Messiah character because I saw a lot of stuff on Facebook and Twitter. People don't like the Jesus part type of Messiah uh, portray that he's doing. That's um, beautiful heat. And that's that's exactly that's a, that is a great heel. And the reason why I like it is because I have a dream match from this character of Seth Rollins. It's the Messiah, Seth Rollins, versus Judas, Chris Jericho. <laughs> uh, that would be such a epic match that unfortunately we will never see. Uh, I think we've, I think they've wrestled before, but it was in the WWE, and it wasn't Judas Chris Jericho. It was Y2J. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm liking. I, I wasn't sold on the Judas. No, the Messiah. The, 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 yeah, I, I'm sold on Judas. I'm, I'm sold on a little bit of the bubbly and El Uh But I'm not sold on. I wasn't sold on the Messiah before WrestleMania. And now that he's getting these these five minute promos that he's by himself and he's, you know, still faced and he's showing zero emotion but he's speaking, I can see what type of character he's trying to portray. And that's how I'm like, you know what? I'm digging this this gimmick. And and seeing now the story over the last two weeks, it's starting to become how he said he has risen. From defeat at Mania, like Jesus from the Christian uh, religion rose from the dead. Um, it's it's going to be when when we get back to arenas, people are going to freaking hate him because he's going to literally make himself to be Jesus, and that's going to get him some serious heel heat. And I like it. It's it's something because we get the boy over there in SmackDown the feed. You know, Bray Wyatt, he's doing his thing. We need someone on Raw to do that. And I think Seth Rollins has a chance to be in that type of character. And that's why he is my heel of the week. All right, so overall for the night, what do you going to give it? One out of four. Main event, mid-card opening. And what was that very, very last, not likely going to get this rating anytime soon rating? Dark match? Yes, dark match. Thank you yeah, very Raw, much. Raw's not getting a dark match, but... Yeah, I you never give, know. You never I, know. Yeah, I give him a C rating. I give Raw, you know, uh, opening uh, mid-card, below a C rating. Uh, there was a couple matches there, and there was a couple dead moments in the show. It's me not liking the three hours. Um, I, be, this has been a perfect time... During the, the, I know it's not a perfect time here in the society, but 
three hours seems a long time with unlimited roster that Raw has. And the show could have been done with three hours, less than three hours, or maybe two hours. Um, but the show itself wasn't bad. I think it was just too long drawn out from basically what they're trying to present to us. Um, I don't think this is the best Raw has ever been, and it's not the worst. Uh, there were some good points, you know, the Rey Mysterio, Murphy match, um, the the ladies' ladder match, or qualifying match for the ladder uh, Money in the Bank match. Um, and, of course, Drew McIntyre and uh, Zelina Vega's uh, stable um, debacle. That was pretty cool. Uh, but there were also some dull moments like the Bobby Lashley and Lana segment. Really don't need that. You know, uh, I just remembered they never finished that. We never did get to see him roll the other one, did we? No. Yeah, he did. No. He did? No. Because no. he rolled a big one, and then there was another one, and then they cut to commercials. And yeah. I, I, unless I missed it, one of the listeners, please let us know if I missed it. <laughs> but it seemed like they teased it, and I don't recall watching it again. Yeah, so I give this a mid-card level. It's a low mid-card level rating this week. Um, but then again, uh, it just there are some high points, but there was also, in my opinion, a lot of dull points. But what's your rating for Raw this week? Man, I actually had a pretty good time with it. I definitely enjoyed it a good bit. I would definitely give it a mid-card. For sure, solid. Like, definitely above opening. But it kind of sounds like you're telling me is you would go, you would put it, like, definitely above an opening, but on the lower mid-card. So just barely into that three mark. I would say solid three. Uh, that's uh, that I agree with that. This Raw is let's just say that this Raw was better than the old Velocity days. Oh come on, that uh, <laughs> that bar is way too low, man. <laughs> that's just mean. <laughs> uh, but, for the guys that worked on Velocity now, yeah. but I thought that this this night did a hell of a lot, a lot more good than it did bad. Even though I definitely have my complaints about Rey Mysterio winning, but. I'm not going to totally complain either because it's still Rey Mysterio. You know, it's win-win. I just would have gotten a better win, a bigger win. Sorry, not better. Bigger win if Buddy Murphy had won because that would have added more layers to the onion of Seth Rollins taking over the locker room. But maybe that's that's just a pipe dream. Drew McIntyre kicking a lot of ass, enjoying him very much, even though he did damage to the stable. Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, another great week. Nijax had a compelling match, although it scared the hell out of me. It's an episode I'm not going to forget anytime soon. So, yeah, I say this definitely is uh, a mid-card episode, a solid three overall. And I think it's about time for us to start clocking out, because otherwise we're going to be here forever, and we're pretty sure we've uh, worn out our welcome with everybody. But, James, do you want to throw anything else before we move on and close uh- on out? Uh, let's close this thing out. Nothing to do. Just catch the AEW uh, recap show coming up on Thursday, and we'll talk to you guys on Friday or Saturday. I'm ready. Let's get this thing done. We've been on air for too long. All right. Don't forget, guys, make sure to follow PWN Newsroom. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel, Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. And if you want to tweet us, hit us up. And for now, we'll catch you later, and we'll talk to you when SmackDown comes around. This is a copyright disclaimer. We do not own or have any affiliation with the WWE. This is just a fan-made show. 
and all musical credit for the intro go to Dance with the Dead. Please go support Dance with the Dead and the WWE.